0: Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So, recently I got to see the movie John Wick. I'm a little late to the party, but it's something that I finally accomplished by seeing this movie. I had wanted to see this movie for a while, and I finally got to see it. So, the reason I'm bringing up, the reason I'm bringing up John Wick is this. There is a part of this movie that includes a dog. And so if you have not seen this movie, please fast forward a minute. Because, spoiler alert, there is an issue with a dog. And not only am I about to spoil it, but it may be upsetting to hear. But basically, the premise in this movie is that John Wick loses his wife to a fatal disease. And after his wife is gone, he receives a dog from a breeder. And basically, it's kind of a final gift from his wife, telling him that this dog was sent because she has likely passed. And the dog is a way to get him to love someone else, share his love with somebody who will unconditionally love him back. And as such, this dog becomes an extension of the life of his wife. And then he finds himself in a dispute with a very bad man who then comes into his house and hurts and then kills said wonderful dog. The reason I am bringing this up is because pets have so many meanings to all of us and I find that this is something that comes up in therapy. One doesn't think about this as a topic of therapy and yet I hear about people's pets all the time and I always get pictures of people's pets. They describe their animals, and then they have to show me a picture because who wouldn't share? this beautiful cat, dog, bird, snake, whatever, with their therapist. So this comes up a lot. When I was young and I was in a conference, There was a man who was describing the best way of asking questions in an intake interview and the best questions to ask. And he had included on his intake interviews with people questions about pets. And I thought this was brilliant. And the reason it's brilliant is because there is so much attached to people and their relationships with animals. So one of the things that comes to my mind first is sort of how people view animals. Now, if you have grown up on a farm or you know somebody who has grown up on a farm, they don't think of the animals that they are raising as pets. In fact, people who live on farms make sure that they don't name certain animals that are going to go to slaughter because they do not want to become attached to them. And if you get a chance to watch the show Clarkson's Farm, it's about a guy who grew up not on a farm, but decides to run a farm, And he has to learn all about farming and all about animals. And this is an excellent illustration about the difference between how farm people view animals and how this guy, Jeremy Clarkson, views animals. And sort of the adaptations he has to make in order to run the farm not only with learning about farming, but also learning about changing his mindset on things. And so that's really kind of interesting to think about. Now, there are lots of people who don't have pets at all. They just don't care. They don't think about having pets. Pets do not enter into their psyche at all, and they don't think about it. And then you've got sort of cat people versus dog people and the differences between cat and dog people and then all the other pets that run the gambit from fish to birds to snakes to skunks to whatever that people keep as pets. Now, this is a good question when I am talking to people about how they feel about animals. So I will have conversations with people about their relationship with pets or animals now, mostly, and sort of what kind of animals they have, and the relationship they have with their pets, and that kind of thing. And One of the things that comes up for me is a lot of times I will meet people who have a trauma history and they are afraid of having children of their own because either their childhood was so painful that they don't want to relive it, or they don't believe that they have what it takes to be a parent. And a lot of times it will feel sad for me when I hear that from somebody who's a good pet parent. I will hear about somebody who takes care of their animal so well and that they are concerned whenever their animal is sick or they make sure that their animal has all of the right toys, all of the right food, is always in the presence of human beings or other animals, and they're just a fantastic pet parent. And just knowing that makes me think they'd probably feel the same way about a kid. They would not let their child suffer in any way because they certainly don't let their pet suffer in any way. But, you know, and not to compare pets and children, but I think that somebody who is a good pet parent, chances are, would be a good parent as well. Now, sometimes the pet becomes everything. And people tell me that the only Sometimes they will say the only person who understands them is their cat or their dog or whatever pet they have at the time. And that the relationship that a person has with their pet at home is much more important, is everything to them, and sustains them better than any relationship that they have with any other human beings in their life. And so another question that comes to mind is, how did your parents treat your pet growing up? And I will hear people say, my mom's cat was everything to her. And that cat was put on such a pedestal that that cat was more important than I was or than me and my siblings were. And that was just ridiculous. Or I will hear the complete opposite of that. And I will hear traumatic stories of what parents did to pets in front of my clients. And it is horrible and upsetting and that's hard to hear and I hear about severe cruelty to pets or I hear about parents getting rid of pets without my clients knowing about it. Generally I'll hear abuse towards pets sometimes and that's upsetting and when people come into therapy they're just trying to work out sort of what's happened to them and their relationship in their relationships with their parents and the people in their life and they often don't remember the stuff about pets until I ask a question about I don't know vacations or something growing up and then you know and then I'll get this well we left the dog behind or or I'll ask a question about their chores growing up and they will say oh yeah I had to walk my dog and but you know my dad beat my dog or whatever it sort of comes out it ends up coming out as sort of an aside to whatever we're working on with them personally and and then when it comes up again, although people don't generally think of their relationship with pets or their parents' relationship with pets as being important in the grand scheme of life, when it makes its way into the therapy room, it does end up becoming a topic that's a very sensitive topic that is upsetting to people when they finally think back on what happened. And so there was a time when I was much younger and I was a young intern where I worked in a not so safe, not so nice neighborhood. And I was working at a facility there and It was kind of a long drive through a bad neighborhood to get to the facility. And so what I noticed when I was driving through, I'd be driving through very early in the morning, and I would see dogs walking through the streets of this not-so-nice, not-so-safe neighborhood. And I would notice that the way that the dogs walked was not how you would expect a dog to walk. You kind of expect dogs to be happy and wagging tails and sort of sniffing and running around. And I would see these dogs walking through this neighborhood sort of with their heads down, with their tail between their legs, almost looking like depressed, if a dog could look depressed, And the dogs did look depressed and kind of beat down. And I think that that was the result of their environment. Because when you have an environment in which people are struggling to get by and their life is hard and their mental health is not doing so well, Often the mental health problems of people get taken out on animals, and animals are not in these situations elevated to being so important. In these situations, you have animals that are beat on or neglected or generally not treated as a part of the family and you can actually see a change in the way animals behave in these environments. And case in point, I have been told by clients who were raised in these types of environments about cruel things that they themselves have done to animals just kind of for kicks or because it's what somebody else in the neighborhood was doing and they just didn't see animals when they were growing up to be important or special or loving or any of those things that in these dysfunctional environments in which the people in the environment are dysfunctional and the people treat each other very badly, the same people end up treating animals badly as well. And I have heard some stories that I wish I never heard about animals being hurt and tortured and that kind of thing. And yet I can still have empathy for the person who's telling me these stories and understanding how they came up and sort of like what it meant to them versus maybe what it means to them now. And so I think this is a good question for a lot of people and something you can ask yourself even, even as you think about it. You know, what is your relationship with pets or with animals in general? And how were your parents with the animals in your house growing up? Were the animals put on a pedestal? Were the animals too important? Or were they not important at all and not considered at all? Or were they hurt in any way? And how do you think this has affected you? Do you think that you have... Any issues related to your relationship with animals growing up? And this seems like it's such a silly topic that the idea of your relationships with animals or your parents' relationships with animals is meaningful. But it is, and it mainly is, because the relationship that you have Not only the things that you witnessed growing up with animals, not only does that have an effect on you, ultimately, but also it sort of says a lot about parent-child relationships as well, about how important and loving your parent was towards you or towards the animals around you and sort of what you learned growing up about how to care for another living being or how not to care for another living being. And that might affect your ability to be a parent now. Whether you were taking care of an animal the right way or whether your parents were taking care of an animal the right way or not. And I think in general, when we're talking about animals, we're talking about the innocent in the same way that we can empathize with a small child who doesn't know any better about the world and sort of empathizing with any struggles that a young child might have, we kind of feel the same way about animals, that they don't speak our language and they don't know what's going on a lot of the times, and they are innocent in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's really hard for, for those of us who empathize with those who are innocent in the world, to see innocent anybody being mistreated. And I think we can kind of project all kinds of things onto human beings, like if somebody's being mistreated, you know, maybe they deserved it. We have that saying, you made your own bed, now you lie in it kind of thing. Sometimes we don't completely empathize with other human beings. But for a lot of people, it is easier to empathize with animals because animals don't have an agenda. They don't do anything wrong the way that people do. And so a lot of times we will allow a lot more in animals because of their innocence. And so if you are... Already in therapy, I think this is a great topic to discuss with your therapist. To talk about how you feel about animals, your thoughts about animals growing up, how your family treated animals, what you think about now, how you see your future with animals. You know, I see that too. I see a lot of people who bite off more than they can chew, no pun intended, um, by taking on pets that are too much for them as well. And I think that speaks about people not recognizing what their limits are and what they are capable of handling. I see this all the time. I see people who have small spaces taking on pets that are too big for the space. Or I see people who think they can handle a pet, like a dog, for example, but ultimately they don't actually have time in their schedule or the ability to go home and let the dog out when it needs to go to the bathroom. So I do see this as current issues as well, where people take on more than they can handle when it comes to pets. And they will fight it, convinced that they signed up for it, so they need to keep it going. And, you know, sometimes, like it or not, rehoming a pet to someone else who is more capable of showing the love and the caring than you are is okay, too. Because you're setting your animal up for a better life that they deserve to have or maybe you took on an animal and didn't realize just how much it would cost and how much the vet bills would cost and how much food would cost and all that stuff that you didn't take that into account when you saw the free kitten at the store and so you took it on, and it was too much for you. And I see that happen a lot, too. So whatever the case may be, whether you have a history with pets that is upsetting, or you are currently overwhelmed, or you just want to share pictures of your cute animal with your therapist, by all means, that's something, too, because that's a way of showing all of you and all of the love that you have. That's okay, too, to show that in therapy. But I would encourage you to bring these conversations into the therapy room because it is meaningful to you, and it shares a piece of you that might have otherwise gone unnoticed. Be well, and thank you for listening.